again, good morning. We have heard Brad and Barry, thank you guys for what you've done for us this morning. We have heard truth from from Brad. We've we've got to sing of truth and great things from Barry, and I'm so appreciative to sing words like the Lord is king, let heaven ring. I mean, I love those words. And I love the prayer that we prayed of of seeing the kingdom come. And, and Brad, as your words were difficult, and I, I wouldn't call them I wouldn't I wouldn't call them sad. I would call them joyful, because it is the greatest truths in life, and it is the greatest things in life that we discover in Jesus that we can find joy in the midst of pain, because of the resurrection. So thank you for that. So I know you guys have all had. Uh, what we're going to call a hinge moment. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Hinge moments are those moments of time, and you can probably think of them in your own life, where things take a sudden or at least dramatic shift. They're forks in the road. They're shifts. They're changes. One of mine happened 22 years ago about this time. Major shift in my life. 22 years ago, I was in my apartment in Stillwater, Oklahoma, as a sophomore in college, and the phone rang, and on the other end, the voice said to me, Jake, if you're still interested, we would love for you to become an intern at the University Center Campus Ministry. And after I hung up that phone, after I accepted that job, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know it was coming, but the hinge moment has power. And I put that phone away, and as I was alone in my apartment, tears and chills ran through my body. Tears out of my eyes and chills through my body because I knew. Although I didn't know what direction my life was about to take, and I didn't know what was going to be in front of me, I couldn't point out details. I knew in that moment that a dramatic change was about to take place. That this hinge moment of saying yes to this pathway was going to take me in a direction where I would say my life would never be the same again. Can you think of one of yours? For me, that moment was a moment when God took my life from going a certain direction, which wasn't against his will, but into a whole new direction, maybe more in line with his will. Ephesians, for us. Yeah, you thought, man, Jake just kind of cut off Ephesians a few weeks ago. Are we going back to it? Yes, we're going to finish it out. Ephesians is that hinge moment. It's the aha. Ephesians 1 through 3 is we've we've been in last year. I know if I was doing a Barry Hobson joke, I would say, we haven't talked about this in a year. Well, we we haven't talked about this since last year, which wasn't that long ago. Barry, good dad joke, (laughs) you know. But Ephesians, if y'all remember, chapters 1 through 3 is, is Paul's apocalypse. It's his aha. It's his revealing of saying to us, this is what Jesus has done. The apocalypse of Jesus, the aha, the thing he's done is he has made the two groups one. He's broken down every wall and barrier, keeping people out from God. He has made a pathway so that both Gentile and the outsider and the Jew could find new life. And that pathway and that new life, what he calls it, is the new humanity in chapter 2. 
Then in chapter 4, he begins to make a hinge. We talked about it. It's like coming out of a door. It's a moment of him saying, I'm going to transition you from the aha into here's what I do. From the aha to in here's what I live out. And so chapter 4 begins with this passage from the aha to the I will. And it says this, as a prisoner of the Lord then... Or maybe your translation says, therefore, it even could say, as a prisoner Lord of the Lord, so, he says this, I urge you, because all these things I just said in chapters 1 through 3, because of this great revelation of Jesus Christ, this apocalypse, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is his hinge moment. It's his hinge moment to take us from, here's the truth, into this is what it looks like. It's the part of the letter where at the end of a sermon, or like the end of a sermon, you go, so what? (laughs) You just said all these things, so what? Did that change anything for me? And Paul is going to go, here's your so what? Here's what this looks like, living brand new in the new humanity. And I want you to understand this before we pray and get into this. You need to understand this this morning. Write this down. Put it on your hands. Circle it somewhere. I don't know what you need to do. Get a Chinese letter tattoo of it. You can have a story about it. I don't know what you need to do. But we need to understand this. Paul's core conviction, and this is critical to our understanding, and Paul is convinced that behavior, what we do as Christians, is not just rule following. It's not the result of rule following. It's not the result of being holier than thou. His core conviction is that our behavior as Christians and our choices as Christians are activated by something much deeper than just rules. What he is going to proclaim in chapters 1 through 3, and what he's going to describe in chapters 4 through 6 is that our behavior is a result of our identity in Christ. Or, put in long form, behavior does not gain or earn your identity. Right, Christians? You know that, right? You can't get in here this morning and say, well, I look Christian because I have all these behaviors. Paul's core conviction is that your behavior flows from an identity already found in Christ. And if you're with me, that's really good news. Because I stink at the behavior trying to earn the identity. Amen? This is good news. This flows. So this morning we're going to talk about how this identity, because it flows from something deeper, is not something that you can just turn on and then turn off. Turn on and then turn off. It is something that you are. Paul is going to call that new identity the new humanity. He's going to say that in chapter 2, and then you're going to see here in chapter 4, 17 through chapter 5, 2, that he will use that term again, the new self, the new humanity. And this new humanity is not an add-on to a bunch of other identities you have is, well, I, this is my career, or this is who I am as a husband, or this is who I am as a father, or a wife, or a, a, a mother, or whatever it is. This, to Paul, and this is key for us as Christians, is he's going to say, it's your identity, and the only one that matters. 
and all other things should flow from it. And so let's grab a hand as we explore this this morning. If you're comfortable grabbing a hand, let's pray. Uh, We're going to pray over this time. We're going to pray for another church in town that God's will will be done in it this morning. And we're going to give this time to God. Father, we ask for you to move today. We ask for you to show us that this identity is all-encompassing. And God, I pray that you'll give me the gift of preaching somehow, uh, that I'll get out of, my, out of your way, out of my own way, out of your Holy Spirit's way, God. Uh, this won't be about me, and this won't be about anything else other than you. So God, do great things today through your text, through your word, through the, these letters, this letter that Paul wrote that's just beautiful. And God, we pray also for our friends down the street at the First United Methodist Church. Um, God, we pray that your will will be done over there today, whatever that looks like. May people come to seek you. May people in this town who aren't at a church family, uh, don't have a church family, may children and teens in this whole city come awake to this new humanity, this new identity that can be found in you where there is life and there is hope in the resurrection. What other hope do we have, Lord? May we express it faithfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in chapter 4, 17 through 19. We're going to fly through this and get into something. We're going to have some fun with dodgeballs today, and we're going to do some stuff. You don't need to cover your face. You will be safe. We're not going to throw any dodgeballs at anybody. Paul begins the second part of chapter 4, verse 17, like this. He says, so I tell you and insist on it in the Lord. So this is Paul getting pretty serious. I'm telling you this, and this is what I insist on. You should be doing these things. And first thing he says is that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Greek word there is just the Greek is the word ethnos. It means we think of nations because we we live a modern concept of nation states. It just means those that weren't Jewish. Really, probably you could read it as don't live like Americans. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Don't live like the place you live in. In in. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding. Here's why you shouldn't live like them. Their, their minds are futile. They're darkened in their thinking and, and in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. So what Paul's doing here is he's recapping what he did in chapter 2, 1 through 10. He's telling us before Jesus, this is who we were. This is who you are. And he uses these really kind of stacking words. They're they're words that overlap. And and the idea is that they're, they're descending. There's a spiral going on here. What he's saying is, if you live in the darkness and not in the light, you're going to have a mindset that's futile. It's not going anywhere. Your goals in life are not heading anywhere. The things that you're going to try to acquire aren't worth acquiring. He's going to say you're darkened in your mind. You're not seeing what really life is about. You're going to be separated from life with God. And then he's going to say... All this leads to a hardened and callous heart. It's a descending spiral, he's saying. And we know what that means. All of us have been there, right? We know this is who we were. 
We know what it feels like to be calloused about our own sin, right? That I don't care, apathetic attitude. And what Paul is doing here in just these three verses in confronting a life, not in a judgmental way, but what he's doing is he's, he's confronting it to say there's no hope in that way. There's no goodness. There's no light that leads others to life. It's headed in this downward spiral, and it's moving away from Jesus. And that's where it begins. But then he continues, and it's not bad news. He actually gets in in this section with going, now let me tell you what this looks like. You've had the aha. Now let me look, tell, show you what this is all about. 20 through 24. He says, that, that old way of life, however, is not... The way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him. I want you to hear that. In him, accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, listen to this church, you were taught with regard of your former way of life, that descending spiral of callousness, to put away your old self. Throw it away, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires But that's not all you did, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. And actually, very literally, that is the new humanity, this new identity created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul tells us who we were. Now he goes, this is who you are. You've put away the old in order to put on something brand new. You guys remember those early 2000s home renovation uh, shows, extreme makeover, home edition type things? Y'all remember those shows? Anybody? Let's see if we got some out there, right? Ty Pennington moved that bus, right? Those were super popular. They still kind of exist in, in the HGTV world and, and in shiplap world of Chip and Joanna. And uh, I was, does he, you know, those things, right? We love that. Uh, people, anybody love those shows out here? Anybody, any husbands love those shows because they started watching them with their wives, right? All right. Barry's got his hand up. Barry also loves uh, romantic comedies too. So rom-coms. So, but... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Barry. That's okay. You own it, right? That's right. Well, those shows were huge in the early 2000s. And the basic premise of those shows was this, just to remind us, is that the producers would grab a worthy family that had a great story, and then the extreme ones would show up in seven days, and then they would completely remake the entire house, right? In a period of seven days, they'd get a new yard, they'd get new bedrooms, they'd get a brand new kitchen, they'd get a new porch. Everything would look Brand spanking new. It was an extreme makeover. Home edition. It was a really cool show. And when it was packaged into 50 minutes, it was kind of made for some good watching, right? Great stories, great content. But as those shows gathered a little more popularity over the years, there was some bad sides of those extreme makeovers that came out. Some things like after they were done... It was revealed that a lot of the wallpaper and some of the things that had covered up the old stuff were just kind of thrown up there. And within weeks, things were falling off the wall. Or the grass that they rolled out never really took root and it had just all died. Even worse than that, some of the extreme things was that people's property value and their tax base went up so high they could no longer afford and had to sell this brand new home that was renovated. 
And then worst of all, there was at least two, if not three different families that within a year, because of all the changes they had made to their house, had to foreclose on it because they couldn't afford to live in it. So the extreme makeover actually became just an extreme veneer, right? An extreme facade that everything looked good on the outside, but on the inside, they really hadn't changed anybody's life. And that's what Paul is trying to get into in this letter. That's what Paul's trying to say in verse 20 through 24. Don't let your new identity just be an extreme facade. Your new identity in Christ is something that changes everything. You're not just a new Sunday churchgoer. You are a new self, new humanity. And so what Paul uses there is this. He makes this astonishing claim that don't do the on-off, on-off Christianity. He says don't hide your old self under the surface. Throw it away. Declare that it's gone. And then what Paul does is make this astonishing claim. And you need to hear this. This may not make sense at all. This may be something we all need to work on. I need to work on it. But here's the astonishing claim. In the New Testament, he makes this unique statement. He doesn't make it anywhere else. Just the book of Ephesians. And as far as we can tell, nobody in ancient philosophy makes this statement either. In verse 20, he says, When you learned of the Messiah, the truth that is in Jesus. Now what he means there is this. He's saying that the heart and the content of Christianity is not a list of rules. It is you put off the old self and put on a new self because the content and heart of Christianity is Jesus himself. It's not a morality clause. Christianity isn't a philosophy. philosophy. It isn't a book. The New Testament isn't a self-help book. To be a Christian is to engage with Jesus personally and to follow him and to say everything he does, I want to do. At its root, Christianity isn't a systematic arrangement of philosophies and concepts and rules. Rather, Christianity is a declaration that Jesus is the truth. And the person of truth, I'm going to follow the rest of my life. Now, that may not, you may not get that. That's okay. We'll, we'll illustrate. I want to illustrate this. And so hang with me for just a second. Because the, what we need to lean into is this truth in Jesus. So hang with me for just five more minutes or so. Okay? So, we'll illustrate this. Well, this is Jesus. This is us following Jesus, right? <laughs> I come to Jesus, I put him on, and I begin to follow him. We, may, we say that in the New Testament, like I pick up my cross and I follow him. It's more likely, real, real accurately, he picks us up, right? And we begin to life with him. But there's other parts of life that are mixed in as well, right? Other than just following Jesus. Because when we come to Jesus, we're also carrying other things, right? We're carrying stuff in our hands, That when we come to Jesus, he's okay with us caring for a little bit, right? He's so gracious and he's so wonderful. We'll get back to that here in a minute. But all of us are carrying other identities in our life other than just this one. Some of those things are things that were handed to you by other people. 
Somebody tossed it to you? Some of those things are things that you picked up just along the way. Some of those things are just things that you were born with. It's just who you are. It's your genetic makeup. But we pick all these things up. And some of those things are good. Some of those are bad. Some of them aren't a big deal. Some of them like this could be work. It's part of my identity. This is my career. I work with, I, 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 I have this job or this is what I do, right? But along the way, we also pick up other things like anger. And I pick up anger and I walk with it about everywhere I go. Well, what's so crazy about me being an angry person is I can carry anger with me and still function pretty well and ba- basically do whatever I want, Right? I can be pretty comfortable carrying it around. We can even do things like this. We'll pick up a small one here. We can pick up other sins, like sexual sin. I can look at pornography and nobody notices. I can sleep with that guy or that girl and nobody notices. and Nobody has to know anything about it because it's a private sin. And I can carry that identity around with me. And I can function in my dysfunction. And we all do this. Amen? Man, we're all carrying this around. Well, this is what is so great about Jesus, but also something we miss. So I want you guys to understand this. We are all carrying these identity markers around with us. Man, I'm a gossiper. I'm angry. I really struggle with lust, whatever it is. And the great thing about Jesus is when we come to him, he's okay with us carrying some of this stuff. That's his grace, right? And so we come to Jesus and we begin to follow him and we pick him up and he picks us up and we're following him wherever we can go. And he's okay with us carrying this stuff. But the problem becomes along the way, no matter if you're young or old or in between, we pick up some other identity markers. Doug, if you'll help me there, I'm going to see if I can do this. All right. Some other responsibilities. Or my schedule is thrown my way, right? All right, let's see if I can get one more here. All right. And I start carrying a little bit more stuff. Maybe one more there, Doug. I don't know. I'm a pretty busy guy, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. I pick up a little bit more. And then sometimes some of the responsibilities I pick up are small, but I still try to add them on. Like, yeah, I can say yes to that. Come on, give me those. Oh, all right. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, one more. Oh, you. Oh, dude, you're killing me. <laughs> All right. Let's see that. All right. Well, along the way, you guys know, right? This is all of us. And what's crazy about all of us is we get pretty comfortable like this, right? How you guys doing it? Oh, it's been a great week, right? You look a little busy, Jake. No more busy than you, right? This is how we operate. We get so comfortable in this that we don't even notice that we're carrying so much stuff, right? Identity markers and things that we are. But we all reach a point, and this is where this is headed. We all reach a point where something's got to give, right? Doug, you can throw me a couple more here, right? Because there's eventually, I'm going to get to a point where I can't make, I can't, I can't do anymore, right? I can't add another sin. It's going to come out of me. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I'm going to get a header there, 
Right? It's going to do something. It's going to start falling apart, and I'm going to have to drop some of these things. And usually in our own, I don't know if this is the right word, but in our own immaturity, when left like this, and all of us in here have been at this point or probably at this point right now, we think there's only two options. In our own immaturity, and we think that the only two options are this. Either I've got to drop Jesus or I've got to drop this stuff. Right? But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul isn't saying that as the new humanity, it's either or. What he's teaching us is far greater of value and more beautiful. Because he's not teaching you just to go, well, I got to drop Jesus like a lot of us do because I got to juggle the world here, right? Oh, I dropped Jesus, right? And he's not teaching us to just go, well, Jake said I have to be a Christian, so I can't have any other, I can't have any other identity in my life, right? So I've just got to have Jesus alone. What he's actually teaching us is this. And Doug, I'm going to throw a few more back at you here. So what he's actually teaching us is this. Is our identity in Jesus isn't here. Our identity in Jesus is actually here. This is what he's saying. And here's the wisdom of this. Right? So as different things come at me, like, man, I, I'm a family guy. All that's filtered through Jesus. Or I've got a job. And I, I work eight to five. Filtered through Jesus. I represent Jesus wherever I go. Or I've got uh, friends. And I need to influence them. Because in Christ, I'm a new humanity. So I look like Jesus. That's the wonder of what he's saying in verses 20 through 24. That you are no longer part of the old self. You have put on a new self. And everything that you do looks like Jesus. Now, this is cool too. Because what this allows you to do is instead of just trying to catch everything. When you're living in Jesus. Throw me that green ball. Somebody tries to throw greed or sin to you. Right? You're like, it doesn't belong in this identity. Right? I am living a new way. So because I've thrown off the old self and I'm living in Jesus, when somebody tries to toss me something I don't need, I knock it out because I'm in Christ. But when we live our lives trying to catch everything, we miss the point. Y'all with me? So this is what he's talking about. Let me see if I can get out of this without falling. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. One more step here. That's who we are in Christ. Paul continues and he gives us concrete examples of what this looks like. And we'll wrap up with this. He says, therefore, each of you must not, must put off falsehood. So he says, if you're in this, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, so they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to all, or that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what he does is he goes, this is who you were, this is who you are, this is how you live. This is how new humanity lives. And I want to just make two quick points, and please lean in here with me. I know that I can't keep your, uh, it's hard to keep your attention this long, but I want you to lean in. Paul concludes this section with just examples. It's not every example. It's probably examples that were specific to the Ephesian churches and the surrounding area, that they had a problem with stealing and lying and talking bad about people. That's what it seems like was going on there. But what he's talking about for all of us is a life of renewal and holiness and truth speaking, generosity and encouragement. And I want you to note just two quick things. This is so true. And teenagers, please hear this. I wish I would have had somebody tell me this when I was younger. The reason sin is so harmful is not because some old person stands on the stage and tells you it is. It's not because mom or dad tells you it is. It's because sin is a contradiction to your identity. That's why sin is so destructive. Why shouldn't I have sex before marriage? Why shouldn't I do that? Why shouldn't I get to lie to my parents if they're being jerks? Because sin is destructive to your identity in Christ. Even if I'm carrying it around and nobody can see it. Right? It's not part of who I am. This is why we cast it off. Did you know those that look at pornography, guys? This is proof of what I'm saying. If you're married and you look at pornography, your chance of divorce doubles automatically. Wow, isn't that crazy? But yet we all go, yeah, I can see that, right? It's because sin is a contradiction to our identity. If I gossip, I am contradicting my identity as an encourager. If I lie, I am contradicting my identity as somebody who follows capital T truth, Jesus Christ. And I could go on and on and on. That's what Paul's saying. Your old self is not who you are. And then number two, this is so good. I love this. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project taught me this, and I love it. If you notice in verse 25 through 5-2, and you can go back and track this, every new humanity behavior gives you a better version of what you were looking for in the former life. Now, what? (laughs) Give you examples. If I steal, he mentions stealing, I'm trying to provide something for myself that I don't have. Well, Paul goes, in the new humanity, we don't steal. Let me give you a better version and you'll actually get better. What we do is we work. And then when you work and gather, you'll be able to not just get what you need, you'll be able to be generous with others. You're getting a better version of what you were looking for in the first place. You see that? 
uh, Darcy this week brought up this example. We gossip for friendship, right? We talk bad about others because it bonds us with the people we're talking to, right? I want to feel close to Doug. I just won't have him hit me in the face with dodgeballs. What I do is I talk bad about somebody else. That's a contradiction to my identity. So what's the opposite of gossip? Encouragement. And what do I get when I encourage? A whole lot more than what I got when I was gossiping. I get friendship by the bucket loads because now my language has changed, right? We can even take sexual sin into into consideration here. What am I looking for with sexual sin? I'm looking for affirmation. I'm looking for acceptance. I'm looking for me to feel good about myself, right? Why did God tell us about sexuality within a marriage and he has a context for sexuality and a good context for it? Because it's in that relationship we actually learn how to love and give and serve. You actually get what you were looking for, but a better version of it in the new way of life. Good news, church. And so I close with this. I want you to be challenged this morning by getting in. Not with just carrying Jesus or putting on the Jesus uniform like we all did this morning. I don't dress this day any other day of the week. This is my Jesus uniform, right? Instead of doing that, we need to be challenged to live into the new humanity. To take a long look at ourselves and throw out the old self. To look behind the surface and see where we've just had an extreme makeover that looked good on the outside, but not an extreme makeover that remade my inside. And to look within ourselves and challenge ourselves to grow together to say, this is our identity. To be loving and caring enough to each other to go Hey, Jake, you're a little off here. Jesus didn't make that identity in you. And to share and to pray and to grow together as a church family. Because what Paul's saying is no joke. He's not saying you're the new humanity sometimes. He's saying what we said in our song, Barry, that we sang, right? We are the church, the hope of earth. Amen? Whew. What a responsibility. But thanks be to God, I'm not in charge. This guy is. And he's got it. The Lord is king. Man, let our voices ring as we stand and sing together.